following program is produced by the Align in the Sound team. If you like what you hear, please stick around at the end of the show. To find out more, contact us and contribute towards a positive future. I'm sure we've all had moments when we're feeling particularly disgruntled with our politicians and legislators and thought or said that kids could do a better job of running our government. This week's guest has taken that notion very much to heart, putting into practice a program that gives youth the opportunity to pitch their proposals to members of the Legislative Assembly. Anna Garnock is Project Officer with Parliament of Youth on Sustainability, an annual program that culminates in a one-day mock parliament event where students research and develop proposals on how we can make Canberra and the region more sustainable before coming together for the Parliament Presentation Day where they act as parliamentarians and present, discuss and debate each other's proposal in committee groups and then pitch their proposal to the ACT members of the Legislative Assembly before all students vote on the proposal. That sounds like an awesome way to run government with some young, fresh minds. So please join us in welcoming Anna to the show. It's wonderful to have you here this morning, Anna. Thank you so much. It's really nice to be here. So, Anna, perhaps we could start with a little bit about what is a Parliament of Youth? Like, I know there's, there's Parliaments of Youth all over the world. There's some very active ones in India at the moment. So, um, this is obviously for the ACT, but is there a generalisation we could sort of help our listeners to get a sense of Parliament of Youth? Absolutely. So, uh, once upon a time, I believe 2012, at uh, or 2013, uh, an emeritus professor at the ANU called Bob Douglas um, worked up the idea of creating a community organisation to support people in the community to be more sustainable. This is Bob Douglas. And so Bob created Sea Change, and as part of Sea Change, he worked together with a number of other community members in environmental education, such as Re- Wendy Rainberg, who works for Park Care mm. and Water Watch to create what is called specifically the Parliament of Youth on Sustainability. So from my understanding, it's a unique uh, event to not just the ACT, but definitely um, I haven't heard of anything quite uh, so specific as this one in terms of sustainability. So, it, yeah, the rundown is that he decided that we could reach out to school groups who were interested, namely to teachers, primary school and high school and college students, to see if they would like to look at what are some of our sustainability issues in the ACT region. They can look at that over the term one and term two, and then by the end of term two, come together in this one-day event where they act as parliamentarians, honourable members for their schools, work in their committees in the morning presenting their ideas, vote for the best ideas, and those winning committee groups, uh, committing teams, come and present to the ACT, yeah, members of the Legislative Assembly, as you mentioned, politicians from Greens, Labor and Liberal Party, and then the students all come together and vote a second time for the winners of the whole day. Wonderful. Now, the exciting part is this just happened yesterday, am yes. I correct? So yeah. yesterday was the day. And it was. Would you like to tell us how that went? Oh, it was wonderful. It was honestly a truly uh, a great success. Everyone did really, really well. We had nine community organisations and, and government organisations coming and holding a wonderful, interactive, creative, fun, engaging stall for the students to participate in activities during their break and uh, the students all arrived excited and nervous gathered together they did a great job of presenting their proposals and their committees I've heard so much feedback about how confident and excited they were they asked really intelligent questions they had really creative proposals some dressed up in clothes to promote to 
show how wasteful we can be with clothes because that was their proposal. Anyway, we, yeah, it was, it was truly, it was a really, really great day. Everything went super smoothly. And yeah, the final um, student ministers, there was 11 in the end that presented to the five ACT politicians did a wonderful job of presenting. They answered questions all like a little boss Mm -hmm. and the politicians, yeah, were, um, yeah, were really engaged with the Mm -hmm. students as well. I was really, really impressed and grateful to see five ACT politicians Mm -hmm. engage with the students and be so enthusiastic Mm -hmm. about their ideas. Mm -hmm. And then they all voted and I think everybody had a really great day. Yeah, That's wonderful. Do, Do you think any of those proposals will actually get picked up? Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. This year uh, is the first time in the Parliament of Youth and Sustainability's history that we've got a little bit of extra funding from the ACT Environment Planning and Sustainable Development Directorate. Well yeah, yeah, EPSDD. <laughs> um, they have kindly donated an extra $4,000 in in-kind support for one or two staff members of Sea Change to help support two student proposals to be implemented. So, yes, there are definitely going to be two proposals that will be implemented. Whether or not the schools decide to implement some of the proposals themselves into their own school environment, that would be wonderful to see, and I really hope that happens as well. Oh, that's brilliant. Now, what surprised me is the age range of the youth parliament. Like, I think it starts quite young. Could you give us a sense of the age range of the kids that were there yesterday? Yeah, we had students as young as five and students as old as 18 attending. So, quite a huge range yeah oh that's amazing so hopefully these are going to be our future leaders i think so yeah from kindergarten to year 12 this is the next generation of sustainable leaders yeah yeah right so i mean there's a concept out there you know you've got racism and sexism there's a concept called childism where kids are just told what to do basically and they have to go and do it because they're a kid um what do you think of that concept and how this might sort of help to sort of Get kids a little bit more respect, I suppose. Yeah, I haven't heard of the term childism. Um, As a child living in an adult's body, I can identify (laughs) as having experienced childism. I think uh, this is one of the many ways that is really great at flipping that on its head where the child and the teenager, the young adults as well, are empowered to be the ones talking and answering questions versus listening and being passive learners and being told what to do. It, it, it flips that completely. This event is completely student-led. There's There were 30 student facilitators from Year 11 and 12 from St Mary McKillop College and Canberra College that literally ran the whole day. They were the speakers, they were the photographers, they were the videographers, they were the facilitators, they were general assistants. So it was completely driven by them and all the students participating were the only ones asking questions. They were the only ones voting. So us adults, teachers, anybody else, we had to shut our mouths and just give the floor completely to the students. So I think, yeah, this is a really, it could be a really effective way of giving students a voice and having them have their say versus being passive learners. And actually, I was really blown away at how bright and engaged and clever and creative some of the students were, both in their proposals and their questioning. It goes to show that I think the younger generation is really quite switched on and so much more literate with issues of sustainability than I certainly was. So I think, you know, we have to include youth as being part of all of our solutions towards creating a better world in every way, shape and form. And 
yeah, engaging in this way where, where they feel like their voices matter and they do have something to say empowers that because it's giving them the faith and the that we believe in them versus the thinking that we're wiser and better and smarter because we're older, which isn't always the case at all. Well, I yeah. think we saw that was the origin of Greta Thunberg, right? She yeah. said, you're actually getting it wrong. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's another right. voice here to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. Mary Graham, an elder from the Combo yes. Mary people up uh, Gold Coast sort of area. Uh, she tells a story, which I'm sure I'll butcher, but I'll tell it anyway, that um, basically in, in that culture you're recognised more for what you know and how you behave rather mm. than uh, how old you are. So, you know, it's perfectly common and perfectly all right for you to be a 60-year-old teenager in that culture mm. and you'll just be treated socially as though you're a teenager. Mm. So it's interesting. Some people are a bit older than their years and others are younger. Yeah. <laughs> Different way of looking at it, isn't it? <laughs> Is age but a concept? <laughs> <laughs> well, not entirely. <laughs> not entirely. No, it's, it's uh, very real. But well, if we wanted to get esoteric, we could talk about old souls. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think irrespective of where you're at in your maturity, if that's what we're referring to, I think... It, it doesn't matter because we all can be stronger in some areas. I'm very immature when it comes to science knowledge, for example, and maybe stronger in other skill sets. And, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses or areas where we can grow. And I think that the beauty of this is students can come for all their different reasons and they'll all get out of it something unique for themselves. Some might actually find the public speaking really quite intimidating, so they come into themselves a little bit more. Or others have had all of these thoughts but they feel confined in a school space where they can't share it. So that might be really empowering to actually feel like I'm going to debate and ask questions and I've got things to say. Or others might just love getting to know other people and having that teamwork and sense of collaboration in both a group and then working together. So I think it's... I think it's having these type of events where we get young people to speak up and we hear them and we, we welcome them and we create a platform for them to shine is, is really important at bringing out all of their strengths and helping them develop all of their areas where they could grow and, and just making them feel like they're at the forefront and the centre of this and that their voices aren't lost and being heard, I think, is a big part of that too. When you're truly heard, it changes your perception on things. Yeah, it does. Mm. What's well, yeah, that old right. saying? Power is your a measure of your ability to help your community mm-hmm. or influence yeah. your community. Yeah. 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 And I think going off being heard, there's, there's many different scripts in maybe more Eastern or Buddhist type thinking of the biggest gift we can give another person is our attention. Mm. Is it listening? Yeah. Is listening. Yeah. It is. It's a, it's a form of love in and of itself because it's I am putting all my views and my thoughts aside and I'm like, I want to hear you. Well, it's that piece of being present with the person that you're listening to as yeah. well, right? I think we could probably put a few of our pollies through this program. That might be really yeah. good for them. Our adult pollies should be going through this program. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that. So we were aware that um, we have all been modelled a certain type of communication in politics and I think it's a real shame. I've been to Senate Estimates live in the Australian Parliament House and um, quite frankly I find it really disgusting and, and, and um, immature how there's so much shaming, literally using the word shame, there's, there's rolling of eyes, there's slouching on a seat, looking the other way, scrolling on your phone when the opposition is talking. It's, <laughs> it's really quite... 
um, the opposite of respectful and open and seeking to understand another point of view. It's it's dissing it and it's stuck on your own view and it's completely closed with with narrow vision of of um, of, of your political views and shunning out the others. So I think it's not at all conducive to collaboration, which is why the Parliament of Youth, we had four rules mm. and all of them centred around respect. Essentially, they were that we can have different views and we can share that and that's okay and we can welcome that. We can explore that and go there and seek to understand it and question it and then question our own and see if there are some points that we can all work together on this. So that's, I think that's another big part of what we're trying to do with Parliament of Youth is to show that we can have conversations and differ in our opinions and not be respectful or arrogant or um, shaming about it. Mm. And that's why I said I think a few of the polys should be running through this program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. If you set the culture right, and then you don't create accountability for the behaviour within that culture. Human nature, I think, tends to default sometimes to a place of lower emotional intelligence. And, you know, this, this is what we could be changing. We could be creating this culture of respect, this culture of listening. Yes. And I'm sure there's so many people who've gone through all the, the, you know, the stresses of 2020 and 2021 that haven't felt listened to, that haven't felt heard. And I imagine that the change in, in having that, communication where you are being heard and you know having some real action taking place you know even if it's just children listening to you and putting forward proposals so when the children um start the program when they i think it's uh, first and second term it runs right Mm -hmm. now do they um decide what groups they're going to get into like how do they how do they partner up how do they determine how they're going to actually develop their proposals yeah great Mm -hmm. question so it's all very dependent on a combo of things, the teacher's initiative, the age, uh, what team they're part of and why they're participating. So some examples would be, let's say, in primary school. I know that one school, I believe it was Farrah Primary, they... Um, had a really great enthusiastic teacher who really wanted to get on board with this. So she incorporated Parliament of Youth into her whole classroom of year two students. So all of them were in a team. I'm not sure exactly her process, but I assume that she taught about some of our environmental issues here in Canberra and then maybe they organically naturally paired up with teams that they were um, interested in in terms of the friendship groups or if they had themes, let's say like water or waste or whatever, energy, they might have teamed up accordingly or she might have just delegated them. Uh, Another example is this tends to be a bit older students in primary school. They might be part of either a student leadership group or a sustainability club. And so they'll be doing this already on their own as volunteers um, to help better their school. And then a teacher, potentially the coordinator of the student leadership club or sustainability club might say, hey, this great initiative, would you guys be interested? And then on their own back, they'll say, yeah, we will. Look, there's 10 of us will split into two teams or there's four of us interested. Then they might get together once a week at lunchtime on a Friday and talk about it. And then we've got high school students, which again, you might have a science teacher who says for any particularly interested science students in, an, in the environment space, you could put this as part of your assignment. The rest of you can just do the normal assignment. That's an option. Or year 11 and 12 students might hear about it, not even get the teacher's Um, information about it and say I want to do this I'm a really driven 17 year old and I care a lot about sustainability so I'm on my own accord in my own time going to come up with my own proposal so there's a different number of different ways but for the most part no students um, 
are made to do this. It's not a compulsory event. Definitely no teachers are. It comes down to teachers thinking it's a good thing and or students thinking it's a good thing and worthwhile and they do it off their own bat in their own time. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I did have something clever to say there, but it's all gone. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like our Story computer system today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so when the kids um, come up with these proposals, like most people who get into politics, they're usually choosing to align themselves with a party that represents their core values. Yeah. When some of that's questionable, but <laughs> um, for the most part, so I'm, I'm guessing the kids because it's it is the Parliament of Youth on Sustainability. A lot of their values are around environmental sustainability. Mm-hmm. So. Do they tend to pitch towards any particular political party or is it just to the Legislative Assembly in in, in general? Great question. Mm. No. It feels like it's a completely bipartisan event in that Mm. students are pitching their idea and if they ever mention government, they just say ACT government. Mm. I didn't hear one iteration of um, political bias in any of the Mm. presentations yesterday. And, um, yeah, I'm... I'm not even sure if some of the younger children know about which party they're being more aligned with. Maybe they've heard their parents' views, so they might be more aligned with that. And, you know, the older students might be more aware and more aligned in their personal views. I'm not sure. But, no, for the most part, it's just they're seen as politicians Mm. representing the ACT government within their respective parties and we pitch to them. And in in other years we have had... um, panel members that have been made up of academics or people in the community, the commissioner for in in the office of the Commission of Sustainability and Environment and ACT. We've had a number of different stakeholders, but this year we decided to to go with just just politicians. So, yeah, the students are more generally pitching their great idea Mm -hmm. about what we can collectively do or the government can do or both versus to a party. Mm, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So... um I think out of the website it says the goal of the parliament is to engage and empower young people to imagine and help create a more sustainable future for Canberra and the region. And I'm wondering if parliament is really a good model for these kids to be following. It doesn't seem to be doing a particularly good job at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned how going into question time can seem like it's just a playground bun fight and then the parliament does seem to be in league with a lot of the sort of causes of our problems and yeah um yeah i think you know we've got a leader with who needs an empathy coach mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah can we really afford to continue this long and long engagement we've had with parliament or maybe are the kids offered a choice i suppose is what i'm asking to mm. to find a different way to develop their ideas say mm. through community or cooperative business or mm. parliament yeah. Mm. yeah brilliant thoughts so a few things um firstly i do agree that going through the perspective of making either legislative change policy based change in a parliament setting can be not just Um, ineffective sometimes in terms of personalities but also in terms of it being a clunky process it's there's politics in politics so there's a lot of mixed agendas within parties so it can be slow and arduous um, sometimes look look at the women's movement and the union movement they we haven't got there yet. No, That's we haven't. hundreds of years there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And then, yeah, and then on the plus side, I think specifically within like state-based um, 
or territory-based government, you know, you might have more capacity to make more changes within within your sphere. So I think there's pros and cons of going through parliament for sure and there's pros and cons of promoting parliament as a um, platform for students to make change. This event doesn't necessarily promote uh, making change as being a parliamentarian per se or being a politician. That's not at all what we're advocating. It's far more about coming up with ideas that we can do within the community that could potentially be legislated but might not be at all. It might be something around um, personal. It could be a campaign that ask, well, that we can change as people, that we can be more sustainable. So it could be there's a number of different ideas. Um, I think, and this, let me gather my thoughts. So yesterday afternoon I did a little thank you speech in a, uh, for, the, for the session and a huge message in my speech was that all of these young people in the room will take on a, a number of different career paths. And I think whether you go down the academic, the corporate, the not-for-profit, the government, uh, your own entrepreneurship, whatever you follow, I think marrying sustainability into anything you do is what counts and marrying community and marrying consultation with our, with our First Nations people and finding out their wisdom and tapping into that and making sure that um, we've been considerate of that and secondly making sure that we're being considerate of all members of our community people with disabilities refugees anyone um, so that we can create all spheres of our community to be more sustainable that that can be a forefront of every organization or cooperation or any group's um, understanding so that was my main message is that Whatever you do in your life, even if it's a hobby or a religious or spiritual venture or a sporting group, anything, including career paths, even your social groups, see how you can make it more in line with caring for the planet, with the acknowledgement of our limited resources, with the acknowledgement of our um, ecological limits. So I'm hoping that the students take from this not an understanding that the way to make change is 100% through parliament, but rather that is one avenue that you can make change potentially. Um, but there are other ways and to keep this as something that they th see is important. Mm. So it's pretty impactful to see your ideas influencing change, right? So have you found that some of the older students that have gone through this process and, you know, are now adults... Um, with careers, have you found that what, what they did in this process influenced them in their career paths and some of the decisions they've made? Such a great question and unfortunately we haven't got a kind of monitoring or evaluation process set up where we do those kind of follow-ups with students. I would love to know that and I mean this is my first Parliament of Youth so maybe I could start that mm. as of now. Maybe I could... Um, get in touch with the teachers of an alumni group and having an alumni group yeah, and have them come back and talk to the groups yes. who are going through the process yeah, yeah. truly what a, do a wonderful idea if anyone's out yeah. there who's done it <laughs> shout out to anybody in the act region and or who have traveled beyond our borders uh, who have participated in the sea changes parliament of youth on sustainability in the past please reach out to me anna garnock the current project officer parliament of youth 
youth at seachange.org.au. I would love to get in touch with you because maybe we could include you in next year's Parliament of Youth and Sustainability, yeah, if we get well. funding for it, uh, <laughs> to talk and engage with the students and tell them how doing these type of initiatives have helped you or changed you in your life. Great idea. I think that almost every person that's interviewed about their early life, you know, someone that's got a fairly, uh, I don't know, influential career has often said, was there anything when you were younger or when you were at school? And a lot of them have one or two events that were significant in putting them on their career path and significant Mm. in maybe changing their viewpoints on certain things. And Mm. it it did change the course of their life. Mm. So it'd be lovely to look back and have maybe down the road a leader that we deeply admire and respect. You said they participated in Parliament of Youth on Sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We do have some students who have participated participated in it on an ongoing basis over primary and or high school and then come back as volunteers in some way, shape or form or come back as mentors. I definitely know of a handful of those students that have just found that Parliament of Youth has been important to them and so they've... They've hung around, but it hasn't been, we haven't set up a process, a more formal process of actually reaching out to alumni students to ask that question. So, yeah, you're right. With COVID, it put kind of like a a big barrier in the way of going through because you started in 2019, I believe. I started, yeah, Yeah. to set it up for last year. We were meant to run this time last (laughs) year, but obviously got cancelled because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a huge shame and I know that there were some specific Year 12 students that were particularly enthusiastic to get involved mm-hmm. which missed out on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could ask them to come back as either <laughs> keynote speakers mm-hmm. or mentors or facilitators or, or something like that. That would be amazing to see that. Well, let's yeah. hope some people get in touch with you from that shout-out. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. Mm. Well, what are some of the What are some of the ideas that you've seen come through? Oh, we've had such a great range of ideas. So I've seen come through anywhere from, in fact, I've got the program right here. I got you guys one as well, if you're interested in looking at it. Because in this program, so this is a program for yesterday's event, um, we've got our five committee groups. So we had a purple committee group, which was kindergarten tier three. We had two committee groups from year four to six, which was orange and yellow. We had one committee group green from year 7 to 9 and one blue from year 10 to 12. So that totaled 142 students from around, I think it was around 20 schools max. It might have even been 15. And, um, you know, looking through the program now, we've had ones that care for bees, so doing initiatives to grow more native plants and things in schools and in the community to help um, promote native bee colonies. We've had uh, one group think about how we could make Canberrans think about where they uh, think about the consumption of animal products and try to go two days a week without meat. I know we've got meat free Mondays, but encouraging that in the school space at the canteens so that young people are more aware about plant based eating, which is great for the health of their bodies, great for the health of the planet, and great for animal well being. We've had ideas about birds thriving on animal land. Um, We've had ideas about uh, vegetation and open spaces, an app to help track where our native animal flora and fauna is so that students can have an app and walk around anywhere, let's say around a bushland, and identify different species Mm -hmm. and know 
what the roots are, uh, what they do, what mm-hmm. these plants do, and what this mm-hmm. what the what these native animals are, mm-hmm. and what they mean to potentially Ngunnawal or Nyambri people. Mm-hmm. For so that might also sort of track where the animals are too, and give you an exactly. idea of is when you're trying to to map the flora and fauna and how it's being impacted by various things. Yes. Then you've got all these kids out there who are able to say, look, we haven't seen any Swiss parrots in Canberra. Well, we just saw some at the nature reserve mm. out here. Exactly. Imagine mm. all these students yeah. with this, with, yeah, mm-hmm. these young people with these apps tracking. They're all little ecologists <laughs> in action, which, yeah, is wonderful because yeah, then yeah. I think as David Attenborough mm. always advocates, you can't care about something without experiencing mm. or, or developing an understanding of an appreciation mm. for the very thing. So we can't be pro-sustainability if we don't actually have a connection with 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 nature itself. So, yeah, that's like, a really like cool idea. I like the difference in that one where normally you'd get an app and you take a picture of a leaf and it'll spit out a Latin name at you, which doesn't mean anything. No. But this one is yes. putting it in a context. Absolutely. Yeah. And they could work with Aboriginal land management mm-hmm. workers down at, let's say, um, Tidbinbilla Nature mm-hmm. Reserve or Parks ACT to develop this more, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, historical, social, uh, beautiful Aboriginal cultural perspectives on on these plants and how they've helped people, but then also, yeah, the techn- mar- married mm. with the Western understanding of of their ecological purposes. Nice one. Um, that is a good idea. Yeah, there was great. There was so many. There was uh, one about beating pests and helping native birds. There was one about... Um, loss of trees and replanting microforests. There was, um, you know, planting bamboo. Waste isn't wasted until we waste it. Getting some cool, like, different resources for for recycling. There was um, enhancing photosynthesis in trees, different waste bins, different energy resource saving, infrastructure projects, incentivizing public transport because I think... The presenter said that public transport makes up 4% of us use buses and 2% of us cycle, the rest of us using cars and ACT. So transport emissions is our biggest source of emissions here. Lots on waste because we still waste so much. The ACT region is, our carbon footprint is nine times that of what it should be to be sustainable. We're wasting <laughs> nine times and using resources nine times more. Well, than when what I listened to the 2015 uh, video of the People, it was five times. Right. So well, we're it. on the rise. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. make mum proud. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was there was a really great number of of different things. I'd love to later talk about our winners as well um, with their standout proposals. So, which proposals were the chosen ones to present? Right. The okay. The chosen ones to present were we had eleven in total. From kindergarten to year three, we had the kids, Canberra Kids Composting Company uh, from Radford College, which is this really great initiative to promote young people in schools to compost. So they'd collect all of their all of their organic matter, they'd compost it, they'd break, let it break down, use it as part of their fertilisation and regrow more plants. So this Did Brooke come along and help them with that? No, she didn't. <laughs> but when she read the proposal, she was very excited about it. <laughs> um uh, the second kindergarten to year three proposal <laughs> that presented to the ministers was helping birds thrive on Ngunnawal land. So they spoke about all sorts of different things that they could do to help birds thrive, such as um, whether it be 
I've forgotten the word, but those boxes that you put birds in. The nesting boxes. Nesting boxes, yeah, yeah. And and um, having certain foods and grain mm-hmm. and whatnot to help support their growth mm-hmm. and right environments, creating more, growing more of their native land to for them to thrive in. The four proposals from year four to year six was one was Bag a Month by Radford College, which is the idea that for three weeks of the month uh, – our grocery stores don't have any bags. So you rock up and you don't have a bag. Sorry, you're either holding it or you're doing trips back and forth. So that, yeah, or use a box if you have one or bring your bags that you know are stacked away in a cupboard at home that you keep forgetting to bring so you keep rebuying new ones. And the idea is that we're, yes, we've transitioned from plastic bags for the most part to our green shopping bags, but we are still leaving them at home and buying more and more and more. And if we forget them or we're feeling a bit cheap, we just buy a plastic bag anyway. So there hasn't been a huge cultural shift where we've actually had to bring our own bags. Because there's no consequences. Because there's no consequences. So it's a brilliant idea to make this cultural change that we have to be more responsible. How many times do you think when you've forgotten your bag and you're having to hand carry your groceries, you know, and three or four trips to the car, you think you'll forget your bag next time? Exactly. Never. You'll make a point of having a bunch in your car at all times. (laughs) How many times have I said I'll do that and I haven't? So I'm the perfect example of, yeah, someone who needs that. That's a great idea. I love that one. Yeah, it was a really great idea. Uh, Second one in that age group was beat the pests back to the West and help out our native birds, which was the one. um, This was about the minor birds so having some kind of really high up in the trees um like capturing container for native birds where you have different things around it to attract them into it and other things to prevent other birds from coming in um where if birds get captured and we get the australian minor finding out a really humane way to euthanize them because they're such Mm. a pest so that was their Mm. idea um Eco Kids for Ngunnawal Country, fantastic idea about having a certification for cafes in the ACT by Eco Kids where they've got 10 criteria to mark off. And if they get at least five of them, they get this certification that they can mark framed on their wall to show that we ticked the Eco Kids Ngunnawal Country certification. And the, the 10 criteria included things like um, is your takeaway, are you using, you know, biodegradable takeaway containers are you composting are you growing your own food or are you at least sourcing local um food that's seasonal are you getting organic food uh so food miles have you got solar have you got water tanks any of these things they've got a bunch of different Mm -hmm. things and they've reached out to aboriginal organizations already to make sure that you know it's in in line with their views as well so that could be a really cool thing for Mm -hmm. cafes to have um to you know, it's a win-win where the cafes feel proud that they're supporting young people mm-hmm. with their great idea and they've got a certification, which is great for, you know, people coming in to be like, yeah, you got the tick and it could spread around Canberra. Mm-hmm. And great for the kids to feel like they've mm-hmm. got – they're making a certification actually, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, the fourth idea from that age group was RecycloPick. So this is an app to reduce Canberra's waste and it's – um, teed up with t- um, scanning barcodes and I think it was a QR code as well but it's basically if I have this bottle and I want to throw it out 
and I don't know, does it, does, where does the lid go? Does the bottle go into the bin, but the lid gets recycled all the other way around? Mm. Basically, you scan it and it can tell you straight away. So it's just a really quick way of understanding where your waste goes because a lot of us get very confused with all the many types of plastic out there. And I just saw someone post on one of the Canberra groups on Facebook about they weren't sure what went in the green waste bin. Yeah. So we're talking about green cuttings. I would say, can yeah. I put recyclable plastics in the green waste bin? Biodegradable yeah. plastics. And so, read the lid. Yeah, but this was the thing. There was confusion around that. And in, yeah. in English is a second language and they're just not yeah. sure. Right? And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and to be fair, it is confusing because mm-hmm. the green bins, I know there's plans for eventually we're going to, once this pilot goes through in the ACT, we're going to put all of our organic waste in there. Even, I think it's meat scraps, you know, so eventually. It is so gonna, food waste food as well. Waste, yeah. Food waste. Yeah. Not just garden waste. Not just garden waste, not just, yeah, you know, grass clippings and whatnot. So I can see even as a Ang- English as my native language, it, it could be confusing if you just weren't told. Yeah. Well, if we were doing it properly, if you listen to people like Jerry Gillespie from the Zero Waste Institute, they're saying that uh, we should really be having a whole heap of different bins and separate mm. our stuff at source. Yeah. And now that's just going to get more and more tricky. And, you know, yeah. some of the anal Scandinavian countries can do it. But us Aussies, we just had a barbecue, mate. I'm okay, I'll, I'll have to thing. give Canada a plug where I yeah. lived for 25 years. So they actually had a recycling depot in a place where I lived. There was no curbside pickup, so everybody mm. drove to the recycling depot. And there was something like 30 or 40 different bins. And they had no staff on all the time way. to help you put things in the right bin. No. And they were separating the different types of plastics according to hardness and whether they were brittle plastics or soft plastics, whether they were Ziploc bags with the little zip bit at the top, um, all of these things, you know. And it was amazing to see how um, well-trained everybody became how quickly. Yeah. So people got very familiar very quickly with what what had to go where. That's right. But if you didn't have those people there educating the whole time. It would be a big pile of mess. That's another thing that they say is education is such a key thing and this app fits right in there. It does. And making Mm. it convenient in your lifestyle. Because you're right, us Aussies, like we not only are lazy, but Mm. can be lazy, but we can be um, unmotivated to to do anything that doesn't fit with our current convenience. We're trying to make our world more and more and more convenient, consume without consequence and just, um, but actually flipping that to take responsibility and it being empowering, but both, but also not um, too disruptive to your precious lifestyle, I think is really important. So having an app is a great way. It's quick, it's accessible. We all mostly have smartphones. And I think I've heard that in Melbourne, I don't know if this is cross- all of Melbourne, but that they have like six to eight bins and, yeah, a bunch of people have been complaining about that. And I'm Per hoping, household? Yeah, mm-hmm. I believe so, yeah. yeah <laughs> Not because much footpath left. <laughs> no, yeah, totally, totally, yeah, in their already concrete jungle. But, you know, so it'll be from glass <laughs> to metals, for one, to hard plastics, soft plastics, organic matter, <laughs> green waste. Mm. So I think um, I've heard that, yeah, there's been a bit of a negative response from some of the community members, but I'm sure others are really on board because they understand the importance of separating waste and wasting our waste properly so we can hopefully reuse it. Yeah, well, it doesn't become waste anymore. It becomes a resource if it's uh, not contaminated, if it's a well-sorted block of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. My friend who is a journalist for SBS at The Feed, she was telling me about a great story that she recently did on some researchers I think maybe at the Sydney Uni or at some uni in New South Wales who are finally finding ways in which we can actually reuse plastic 
to a point that all the parts are reused so it can actually be um, a circular type economy system of plastic so that eventually we shouldn't have to recreate any plastic, which is really exciting research that's finally um, underway that's seeing plastic not as the devil. I'd be amazed if we get to a point where, you know, that waste becomes a commodity, waste becomes something valuable yeah. that, that we, you know, see it as um, an income source yeah. and that you're going to have people going around with plastic detectors instead of metal detectors. Yeah. Like some plastic <laughs> in the ground going, well, look, I found another bit of plastic. Here's my plastic stash. I can take this to the recycling depot and get some money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So that's the primary school students <laughs> yeah, proposals that's, that's awesome yeah. they were think great that's what 12 and under right yeah it's all 12 and under <laughs> and they spoke so well and clearly to all the um, politicians there you could see the politicians nodding along <laughs> so you guys did really well if you're listening uh the high school proposals we had five from seven to nine we had three so year seven to nine that is the first one was called waste to food uh which I'm going to be totally honest with you. I can't 100% remember what this proposal was about because I wasn't in their committee. So I didn't actually get to hear their full proposal. But it was, from my understanding, using waste from shops like Baker's Delight, Coles and Woolies, and uh, that all of this stuff that we're like, oh, it's not pretty and perfect. And so we're going to throw it out at the end of the day because it's not what they call the ugly food. The ugly food. Yeah. 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 From my understanding, the idea was, um, using that and, and distributing it to certain community groups and things like that. So it can actually be used Mm. as food still because it's still perfectly edible. So that, yeah, that was a cool, cool idea. Uh, a second one was called monster bins, which is for, um, creating a number of types of bins that are all monsters. So we're talking about all of these different types of bins, right? This is for kids. So each bin, imagine you've got like, let's say six bins with all those different things that you waste in it. One of them um, is the paper monster bin. So he'll just have a long skinny mouth where only paper can slip through. So, you know, you can't get mistaken and be like, can I put this other thing in there that's chunky? And it's got like big eyes and it's all made out of paper on the outside with with colourful things and eyeballs. And it's the monster bin. So it's kind of fun to be like, I'm going to slip my paper into your mouth. And then you've got the, um, let's say, the, I don't know, the food waste bin. So it can be this big, like ugly looking monster with all of these like scrappy bits of food on the outside. The in the 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 foundation of the bin they said would be made out of a really non biodegradable, obviously. Um, Just a wheelie bin or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, wheelie bin. So it would be made out of hard plastic. Um, but then the outside would all be decorated in, in different things. And so that could be like the mouth could be the size of like a half watermelon or mm-hmm. or some kind of food. So kids know to put food in there because it's covered in food. So that's obviously what goes into it. The next one could be a waste for, let's say, hard plastics. So it could be a big, like, plastic bin with crazy, like, three eyes and, like, some plastic bits coming off the side. And the mouth could be the size of, like, a or the shape of, like, a, a juice bottle or something. So you're like, cool, that's what where my bottles go. And then another one for glass and then another one for um, tins or whatever. So... That was a really great idea. Yeah, uh, you could just do it with something that clips onto the lid, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the idea is that 
one, we understand where our stuff goes because uh, the young lass that p- pitched this was basically saying, us kids, we're all a bit lazy. We don't really care. And when we're chucking out our rubbish, we just want to chuck it into the bin and walk away. So if we make it fun and engaging and really clear in a like creative way, which stuff goes into which bin. And that bin. you can't put the wrong thing in the wrong bin because it won't fit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. Hopefully it won't fit. Yeah. Or you'd just be like... It's just really obvious and in your face. It's not just a sticker with like text where you have to read it. It's a, it's, <laughs> yep. The stuff is on the bin so you can see it. If the stuff isn't pinned to the bin, then it doesn't go in there. Yep. Uh, that was by Harrison School. Uh, the second one was uh, – sorry, that was by Marici College. My apologies. Uh, the third one in high school was – to make people recycle by enlarging, by enlarging recycling labels. So that idea was that um, we do have all the labels out there, but they're not pinned on everything. So we just need some more visual cues about recycling. So nice, really huge um, posters that are not only hung up else like around the place, but specifically on every single entire bin so that we can see when we go to a bin, what exactly is on there. What so like if you go to the green shed, sometimes yeah. you've got to figure out what bin does it go in? Unless yeah. the bin's full and you can see it overflowing with what's supposed to go in there. Sometimes it's a little bit confusing which bin to put stuff in. Yeah, which is their <laughs> idea would be perfect mm. for that because you'd have a sticker. And again, mm. you'd see it's a really simple, pretty cost-effective way to do it. You just need to distribute a lot of stickers um, of of all of these images of what goes in there. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then the two college student ideas that made it into the finals was, one was by Dara Marlin. In fact, they were both by Dara Marlin College. The first one was increasing the appeal, time and cost efficiency of public transport, walking and riding. So this one... um, Basically, it was utilising the current infrastructure, so not creating more infrastructure. So having things like um, in some areas where there's two lanes or three lanes on a road, having express bus lanes. We only have that, I think, on Barry Drive and Belcon and Way. We don't have it in many other parts of Canberra at all. So if we or knew... multiple people riding in a car, like a carpool slash bus lane mm. slash something else like that exactly yeah. yeah four people per car yeah for example yeah if for mm-hmm. sure and he did mention that as well um to promote people yeah mm-hmm. carpooling uh, another one was about you know hopping onto the bus and not having to have either coins with you to pay or a or an action bus card that you've pre-bought that's loaded with cash um but you actually can just use a card and tap on and tap Like a off. debit card or something. Like a debit yeah. card, some kind of, yeah, or even an app where it's like a you can scan scan mm-hmm. the thing and it deducts from your bank account mm-hmm. effectively. So, so different tools basically to um, incentivize people to use public transport. Mm-hmm. And the final idea was new construction codes to reduce and offset CO2 emissions. And this was a really great idea because this student, Siobhan from Durham Island, really highlighted that Actually, 8% of global emissions comes from concrete because we burn down the lime, which reduces, uh, which, which uh, emits heaps of CO2. So it's not something that we commonly know about. And here in the ACT, most buildings are designed to last 50 years max, but often they don't even last that long because they get knocked down sooner, which means all of these buildings are being created um, and not being restored, but being demolished and then re 
uh, building new stuff, which is so resource intensive. So she's saying, no, we should change the codes. One, so that they're built in the first place to last a lot longer than 50 years and they're accountable to do that. Two, they're all hooked up with... Um, all the facilitated uh, fa- uh, facilities, sorry, within the foundations of the building, so that um, I can't remember all the things she spoke about, but whether it be normal electronics and water supply, but then also to the ability to hook it up to solar, ability to hook it up to all these different things, so that it can be repurposable. So if the government buys it for, they want to have a new department of whatever the hell. Um, and then they're like, after 10 years, it's a new government. And they're like, no, we want to get rid of that building and we no longer want that department. It can be repurposed into a school or an apartment buildings for houses or anything so that it can be basically we're reusing. Um, well, there's a very good example of that in the Legislative Assembly. They've right. just built a brand new Legislative Assembly building. Have they? Right. So I don't know. So did you present that building yesterday? No. So it's next to the old one. Right. We so, were at the ANU. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, right. So the... Currently, just next to the Canberra Theatre, there's the mm-hmm. original Legislative Assembly building. Mm-hmm. And I think it was last month they were moving into the new building, which is the tall one next to it. There you go. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure if they're going to use both buildings or if the, sec- the original older building is going to be repurposed. There you mm-hmm. go. I wish I knew that. So yeah, that would have been a good thing to bring up. Then. Yeah, How are you going been. to do that? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do with that? I believe that building is heritage listed. Oh, okay. So they can't knock it down. Yep. But I'm not quite sure how they're going to use it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I guess, you know, we can see that heritage listing mm-hmm. is so important for, if nothing else, um, I know there's a lot of social factors to heritage listing, but but in terms of um, resource use for buildings, it's a really great example of how all of these buildings actually can be kept for a long period of time. We've got long heritage listed, uh, sorry, heritage listed buildings that have been here for a long time, more than 100 years, up to 200 years old are these buildings. And because they're listed, we can't do anything. It goes to show that actually a strong, sturdy... Uh, Heritage Council, or was it the Heritage? Oh, yeah, a well built building. A well built building yeah. lasts. It doesn't need to get yeah. rebuilt. It doesn't yeah. need to. And a lot of the buildings don't need to get rebuilt. We just yeah, have this like. Crazy to put inbuilt obsolescence yeah. into something yeah. that's such a, a, a big embodiment of energy. Well, exactly. this is a subject we're going to be talking a lot about next week, Scotty, with the right to repair. Yeah, There's that's the repair right. summit yeah, in Australia, yeah. and it's oh, all about okay. the right to repair and how important it is to create products that are repairable. Mm. Yes, yeah. and again, it could have then a cultural shift of thinking about mm. that with all of our things, mm. from our personal clothing mm. and belongings to just yeah, in general, cars, phones. Like we just oh, tech, especially tech is. I huge. believe um, Joe Clay mm. has recently started a recycling project too. So was she one of the people right. that attended yesterday? Uh, she was a special guest. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, she was in the audience. Let me write up her rally. She's got a 10-year-old who's very much, like I said, that voice of wisdom coming out of the mouth of babes. Oh, I wonder if her child participated in the Parliament Review yesterday, potentially. Yeah. So the other thing I noticed when we talk a lot about, you know, sustainability and these wonderful ideas, we often get a bit of clap back and it's saying, well, that only really works for people on middle-class incomes. Mm. You know, a lot of the things you're suggesting Mm. are great if you can afford to do them. We'd all love Mm. to, like we'd all love to go and get an electric car. We'd Mm. all love to convert to solar. But if you're a single parent on government assistance and you're living in a rental or even even a subsidised government house, they're not going to convert you to solar. They're not going to pay for your smart meter so that you can have Mm. more... um, 
informed usage of when you're using your power during the day. Like none of those things are going to be available to you immediately. So this is, I think, an an area that I would love to see the kids touch on at some point. How can we put forward proposals that apply to people of all income levels yeah. and people who would really have the willingness to do something but not the resources. Yeah, and that's mm. a really, really great point. Mm. And how, you know, how earlier I mentioned, you know, we encourage students to ask questions about um, have you consulted mm. with Aboriginal uh, w- workers in that mm. in that space here in the community, we have a long list of things to cross check, and a huge one is accessibility. Accessibility to the community that aren't in our, for the most part, in Canberra, pretty comfortable mm. financially, pretty privileged, mm. pretty well off, and pretty able to do those things. So I think we could have put we could put a, a, a greater emphasis on that, but we've definitely I've definitely flagged it with every teacher. It's in the teacher resources as here are some things for students to cross check when going through their proposal. And one of the big ones is accessible. Is this accessible for all all different groups of people? And a huge one is those who aren't financially able. Um, to do that and so, so that's have, this have barriers to participation yeah, or things like exactly, that exactly yeah, yeah. exactly who are exactly mm-hmm. barriers to participation mm-hmm. or somewhat already vulnerable and disadvantaged so that this is um, extra work that um, they might not have access to yeah so that is something that all the students should be cross-checking before they do their proposals and you know these are some of the questions that students would ask mm-hmm. in 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 the Q&A session we had a question time uh, where yeah students would would pick apart those 11 proposals that I just told to you and said well what about this what about this how will how will people do this so so it was their peers who were actually um, debating with them on the proposal whether or not the proposal's viable or what it needed to go through some adjustments exactly so how it worked was these 11 proposals I just outlined the one student from each of those teams called the student minister would pitch that in front of the five politicians and all other 150 students participating and then once the politicians departed and gave their feedback and they politicians also asked questions once they left mm-hmm. then it was question time open to the all the parliamentarians all the mm-hmm. students so yeah they had about five minutes to plan and formulate their questions what they wanted to mm-hmm. ask and then it was open to the floor mm-hmm. and we had 20 minutes, 25 minutes actually, because we're running early, of students engaging with with the student ministers, picking apart these questions in a respectful way always. Nice. <laughs> that would have been quite a contrast from <laughs> what you'd see up on the hill there. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they was. actually answered questions. And they did. They did, yeah. yeah. They did answer questions. And, you know, it was really nice to see the humility of some students where um, some student responders were like, well, we, we are open to suggestions in that way. We haven't thought about that yet. Great answer. Yeah. Let's not pretend like you have thought about Admitting that and come up wrong with something isn't that on the hill either. <laughs> no, it's not. And this is again what we wanted to encourage. It's okay. We're not perfect. Yeah. Um, we're not here to have perfect ideas. We're here to be imperfect and to, but to want to work on that. So. Yeah. So I believe the, the presentation for their pitch is about five minutes. Is mm-hmm. that, so that's actually a long time for kids to be able to talk succinctly about something. It is. doesn't seem like a lot, but yeah. you know, five minutes to actually get your idea across thoroughly yeah. can be quite intimidating yeah. for even seasoned public speakers. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we were speaking about barriers to participation, is there any cost involved for the kids to 
to participate in the Parliament of Youth on Sustainability? Is you know, is it um, something that's e- equally accessible to kids in all demographics? Like absolutely, kids who maybe English isn't um, their first language, or yeah. there's, there's there's other issues that might make it a little bit more difficult for their confidence levels. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So two parts. Mm-hmm. Cost wise, it's a completely free initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, Parliament see change get their funding. Uh, well, we try to seek funding from the ACT government, namely the Education mm. Department and the Environment Directorate, mm. um, but also from other institutions. Uh, we were also last year generously mm. donated a, uh, a a small sum of money by Sue. Oh my gosh, Sue! Oh my gosh, mm. just give me one second. The lovely Sue, yes, the lovely Sue. <laughs> she was so lovely. Um, so anyway, so we get our funding. Um, Accordingly, Sue Salthouse, she was the 2020 ACT Senior Australian of the Year. And this money essentially goes to... Is that the nurse? Was that the nurse? uh, She she might have been. She was definitely... Kiwi Islands? Was that the nurse? I'm not too sure. Well, she might have been this year's Senior Australian. Yeah. Sue Salthouse has unfortunately passed away. I think she was um, a very strong advocate and hard worker in the disability space, Mm. which is why I said she might have been a nurse by trade. She's Mm. Sydney-based. Yeah. but, yeah, so cost-wise, that funding that we get from those directorates and otherwise uh, goes towards namely my salary, which is part-time, 10 hours a week over a nine-month period, and printing a whole bunch of resources on recyclable on recycled paper, of course, from office works and a couple of other things such as if we need to get microphone hire or um, buy some fruit for some catering for the students but they bring their own lunch anyway Um, so the rest is yeah makes this makes this whole initiative free and kindly this year we had ANU the Canberra precinct offer us pro bono venue and we've always had a free venue from the ANU thanks yeah, to Bob great. Douglas the founder he's an emeritus professor at the ANU so ah. he's got a really strong link and support network there so we're very very grateful to ANU they they truly went above and beyond for yesterday they um, gave us discounted parking they gave us and free parking for all the ACT ministers attending they gave us this unbelievable cinema in the cultural center the whole sixth floor, third floor and fourth floor of the Marie Ray Teaching Centre um, and they made sure we had sufficient uh, tech sorted out, whether it be six microphones, big PowerPoint presentation. Anyway, ANU were really phenomenal. Um, so, yes, it's it's accessible in terms of cost-wise. The only price that anyone had to pay was parking, which is $12 for the day, um, hopefully covered by the schools. Thank you, schools, for paying that. And... Um, in terms of accessibility to people, not price-wise, but let's say people of um, where sen- sec- uh, English is a second language, culturally and lingu- linguistically diverse people, that will come down to the teachers. That's not so much that we have scope for. We reach out to public, private, so Catholic, independent, all schools, literally every school in the ACT region. We reach out to Steiner mm-hmm. schools, Montessori. Um, it comes down to whether or not the teachers and the teachers are phenomenal and they take this on on an already a very heavy workload and they don't get paid extra to do this. So um, that's and there's a the package kids. for them, right, when they take this on? Yeah. yeah. Well, we give them a teacher resource pack mm-hmm. and a smaller 
pack with all the forms. So the teacher resource pack is about 100 pages with filled with really, really great resources for all different ages on all things from climate to natural resources to animals, plants. Oh, that's phenomenal. I actually was just um, looking up Sue Salthouse and I didn't realise she passed away in relation to a collision. Oh, so there was yeah. um, a driver under the influence who um, had a collision with her and that was the reason. I didn't know uh, that. Quite, quite sad. That's um, really mm, sad. Mm. That's really preventable. That's yeah. it. And I think oh, there's really the whole, all the proposals of lowering the speed in the city limits. Like we've just seen that coming in too. Right. That's yeah. coming into, uh, I think, in full force next week. So okay. that was around maybe um, the, the high number of people that were involved in pedestrian uh, collisions with vehicles. My mm. goodness. Yeah. I'm glad they're doing something about it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked before about um, getting the alumni in and stuff mm. and if there was a record of, of what people were doing now. Is there also a record of the past ideas that people can access? So, yeah. I mean, we've got years and years of all these good ideas. That's quite a resource base, really, if they're all as good as they were this year, which I expect they were. Yeah, that's a really, really great idea. So we, every year after a Parliament of Youth, we write a white paper, and this is to follow the parliamentary style of working. All the students have uh, submitted a green paper, which is a proposal, uh, oh, sorry, a one an A4 one-pager basically outlining what is the issue, what's our proposal, and why. Why are we doing this? How will it justify it? How will it address this problem? So we've got, uh, you know, 30-plus green papers, um, and all of this will culminate into a white paper, which I'll be drafting up over the coming coming few weeks, which outlines every single uh, school, every single proposal they did and what team they were in, what school they're representing, the students participating. So we have white papers from every single Parliament of Youth. This year was the sixth Parliament of Youth, so we'll have six soon. And we could definitely hyperlink them in the website. That's a really, really great idea. Yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. When I joined Sea Change, they were going through a kind of branding change. So we got a whole new website and a whole new logo. And in that time, the old website was folded and it was really hard to access what was on the old website. So I don't know what's been lost or not, but yeah, we definitely, yeah. I'm sure through our files, we'll have all the white papers saved 100%. So more good mm. feedback, Scotty. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll add that on the to-do list. I was actually just noticing that um, Joe Clay has been following our little show today. Oh, has yeah, she? Yeah. <laughs> I, I always check to see if there's any questions coming in. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you yeah. kindly, Joe Clay, for yeah. attending yesterday. Yeah. Lovely. So, um, you know, Scotty's got some great ideas about what we could do in the future with this. So are there, are there any immediate actions that are taken after you've done the presentation? So yesterday was the big day, the build-up, all the preparation. What happens now? Do the kids just go back to their normal curriculum or do they get to implement some of the things that they've proposed? You know, yeah. What, what's sort of the next step along the, the way? The next step. So, great question. So, as I mentioned, we'll be doing a white paper which we'll be presenting to all the ACT um, members of the Legislative Assembly. And also we've got two proposals that will be – that I mentioned earlier we have this funding for from EPSDD um, – 
And the two proposals that will be being implemented is one from primary school, which is the Eco Kids for Nanawal Country. That was the proposal I mentioned earlier, which was this great certifications that cafes can have if they tick off at least five of their ten um, outlined, <clears throat> excuse me, right. outlined criteria to have the certification. And the second school that we will be giving support to implementing the idea is in high school, year eight, Durham Island College, repurposing rooftops to enhance biodiversity, encourage self-sustaining communities and provide greenhouses, green spaces. This is a fantastic idea about repurposing rooftops to grow, grow more edible plants, grow more non-edible plants, native plants, maybe heat ameliorations. Yeah. The yeah. urban heat island thing in the city that I think what they said is 10 degrees difference between a sort of bare concrete surface or a, a green roof. There you go. I didn't know that. That's another added benefit of already a no-brainer idea, in my opinion. We should all be utilising our roofs better. Um, Yeah, I work on roofs and we've actually checked the temperature at 70 degrees and that was the top of that thermometer so wow. <laughs> it can get hotter than that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it uh, it outheated the thermometer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my goodness um so yeah we're hoping to work with both schools on this i'll be helping out the primary school aged um eco kids for animal country certification that's with st joseph primary year six and that will be in in-kind support developing a project plan for them, all of their um, outcomes, all of the variables they need to consider, monitoring and evaluation, the the design work, the consultation with cafes and community, other stakeholders. And the I believe Brooke Clinton, the Sea Change Executive mm-hmm. Officer, will be working with the Durham Island repurposing rooftops idea um, and potentially working with the ANU co-op, depending on their interest um, and capacity at the moment, because I believe they're currently in the motion of repurposing their rooftop to um, have more of a green space. So that could be something that the students, as part of the as part of the community, could get involved with and see the process unfold. And then you could plant your bee-friendly gardens on the roof as well. You could tie in a few of those proposals. You together. definitely could. You mm. definitely could. I I think that. Um, I mean, we've outlined the strength of the Parliament of Youth on Sustainability. And if I was to be transparent, I think the areas where this initiative could really be um, enhanced, and it would come down to funding, it would come down to funding staff members such as myself at Sea Change to help support students take it to the next step, is implementing some of these ideas. Because really, it's a shame that all of these great ideas come to floor and kind of like how the public service works to an extent, we put a lot of time and effort into creating these great ideas and then they get shelved, never to be seen gathering dust. And in another 10 years, a new worker will come in or in this case, a new student will come in and come up with a very similar idea, which again, we'll get. So it's it creates a culture of not just um, not utilising these great ideas, but also... Uh, <laughs> reworking these ideas where students come up with, could come up with similar ideas in the future. Which says that the idea is very viable if many people are thinking of it over time, right? Yeah. What's needed. Yeah, what's needed. I think this would be um, a brilliant way to enhance the value of Parliament of Youth is if we could get more funding so that we could implement these ideas. Maybe we could put that as part of our funding proposals for next year Mm. so that we can see some of these 
proposals actually being implemented. I think that would be really empowering for students. And there's so many great ones that could have been implemented. Brooke Clinton, the executive officer, and myself chose these two based on uh, a number of things, but it basically being really practical and um, not too resource intensive. So doable. Really, really doable. And but it was an extremely difficult decision because every single proposal had something to offer, had something that could be worked with where we could see these students really let their ideas come to life with their doing. We would just be there to, you know, give them the tools and let them let them take the take the baton and and drive with it. So it was yeah, it was really hard to it was really hard to choose. There was a number of other really great ones. One was um, <clears throat> enhancing uh accessibility for electric vehicles in in Canberra so one idea uh, so utilizing this idea we could have potentially seen if these students could have if again if they had a a little bit of funding you don't need much but start up a a charging station Mm -hmm. all you need for a charging station is a place to park your car I've seen them at Belcona markets they're in Dixon they're obviously it's service stations so that would have been a really cool thing to for kids to actually go through the process of starting up a charging station, for example. Maybe at their school, right? Maybe at their school, yeah. yeah. So, I, 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 again, that's just one of many others. The, the not eating meat for two weeks idea, that could have been a really great campaign that we could have helped the students, um, again, with a project plan that we could monitor over time. <laughs> Let's see you guys come up with this idea and how can you implement it. Could you create a monthly or quarterly newsletter that you promote to your school with facts about... Um, animal agriculture and the impact on the environment. Could you do a poster for your canteen? Could you have the canteen go animal product free for or meat free mm-hmm. for two days? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of scope with a lot of these ideas. So I would love, I would love to see the Parliament of Youth on Sustainability in general grow to become something that really engages with the students more to implement their ideas. Yeah, that yeah, would be amazing. So on that, I guess how how well does this whole scheme fit in with with all of the different aspects of, of the curriculum that are in there because, you know, yeah. there's quite a wide variety of things in the curriculum but yep. these ideas also cover an extremely wide variety and particularly if they were getting implemented. Like, I'm a really big fan of, of kids starting to run enterprises and actually doing it and that's how they learn how to do everything. Um, you know, if the school was to sort of do one or two of these things or each school was to actually try and support it and get the kids to get into it, what areas of the curriculum would they be ticking off? There must be lots. Yeah, there's a lot. So this is, again, what I love about Parliament of Youth on Sustainability is you don't have to be um, in one particular subject to run this initiative or have one particular strength. You could be, uh, you could do this initiative through your art class and come up with a really great, again, campaign. You could, um, in English, science, definitely... Um, any subject matter, it can cross over. Social studies. Social studies, history, anthropology. You can do legal studies. Um, I'm not sure of all the subjects at school these days. It becomes an elective, basically. It can become elective. Even woodwork, you know, it could be something like let's create some sustainable housing or or anything that you can build with sustainable resources. Like quite literally any subject matter. you can weave sustainability into it and come up with an idea from that sphere. In terms of the curriculum, so the Australian curriculum has three priorities that it wants all teachers to 
implement and pepper into their teaching as much as, much as possible. One of them is sustainability and another one is Indigenous knowledge. So this year's Parliament of Youth on Sustainability, the theme was what's one action we can take to thrive on Ngunnawal country? So that's really marrying the two um, ideas of we are on Ngunnawal land, we have huge um, legacy and custodianship of ecological practice that's been really sound and sustainable for 65,000 years plus, um, as far as we know. It could be a lot longer. So there's amazing knowledge um, and practice there that we can draw from and really learn from. Uh, and implement and, and go more back to these roots of sustainable practice. We've seen it now with the bushfires and the lack of back, back, uh, back burning that we do down in the southern part of this continent. So um, I think, yeah, in terms of the curriculum, we try for teachers to implement this in any which way they see possible, depending on what they're teaching or how they'd like to, but it can be definitely put across different subject matters and that's a big piece because you know in on all aspects of government-based decision making we don't find a lot of implementation yeah. on promises right this is the classic thing at election time all this will happen and then no it doesn't yeah. or it happens very slowly or in part yeah. and i was just talking to scotty last night and we were just chatting about the poor folks up in the dandenongs who got hit by that storm and yeah. they're in a situation they said look we were promised after the bushfires that they were going to put essential services underground mm. didn't happen so what's happened? They've knocked out all their essential services again. No way. Yeah, so they're looking at three, three weeks without no power. Way. Yeah. Right. So, you know, people who are lucky enough to have a generator, that's what they're using. But middle of winter, yeah. you know, a half-destroyed house yeah. and you've got no services, no clean drinking water, no, no power, nothing. And they've oh been told three weeks approximately to restore it. Oh my goodness! So, and even that three weeks could blow over to more. That would oh be. Yeah. And look at the weather. Yeah. We, so weather system we just had from the cyclone right, mm. pushing down. So mm. I mean, all those things. It, just as you know, as what you said. You know, when you, when you don't see that follow through, when the kids don't see the follow through, they kind of lose interest, right? Yeah. They yeah. put all that work in and nothing happens, and, and they need to see the outcomes. They yeah. need to have that evidence. Yeah, big time. But I don't know if we can put all of that on the government. We need to take some responsibility for doing things too it's the it's the trick is to how do we start that mm. that as a as an idea in society mm. and as something that we just do normally mm. oh that's a good idea let's mm. do it mm. yeah. and this is where i think community and government can be really well matched because government have in act we're pretty amazing we are on 100% renewable energy we mm. are working towards you know zero net emissions by 2045 we are doing great things um in this little territory that are that is driven by intelligent, um, progressive people in parliament. And from the community perspective, we do have co-ops, we do have collectives, we do have, um, yeah, different organisations really working hard to do the more grassroots kind of processes. And then we've got schools who are implementing different sustainable actions within their schools. So I think, yeah, combining the two is important and really promoting that to students to understand that there is space for government and important and, and need for government to make big legislative changes. So, and following up on what they promise communities, especially post uh, natural disaster crises and emergencies. Um, and then also for us in the community to know that we have a voice and we have capacity to do 
more in our mm-hmm. community as well. And so another part of um, being involved in part of use on sustainability, of course, is people who would like to volunteer to assist in the process. Yes. So that might be your alumni, that might be... Mm people um, who are part of the family of the kids or members of the community. So what what's involved in becoming a volunteer to participate? Great question. Mm-hmm. So it depends on what role you take. Uh, mm-hmm. What is involved in becoming a, part, a volunteer on the day as a student facilitator is uh, showing interest to um, your potential leader within year 11 and 12. And I have worked with Canberra College and St Mary McKillop College over since March, basically, a number of students, uh, almost 30 in total, uh, have put up their hand to say, yes, I'll help out on Parliament of Youth this this year. So that's great. So I've reached out to them, given them all their roles that they've asked for mostly. So we've had the two speakers, the two um, photographers, the two videographers, and all of these great facilitators and general helpers, excuse my voice, <clears throat> and... Basically, I met with them for an information and training session at their schools earlier this month, the beginning of the month, and then a couple of weeks later we met at ANU so they could see the venue and go in more detail through their role and what's involved in the day. I give them all a really in-depth running sheet. They highlight their roles and um, and any other resources they need for the day. They've got a whole guide here with everything they need to know. We talk about what is facilitation? Why is it important? I've been busy. (laughs) Um, How can we be great facilitators? What's an example of good facilitation? What's poor facilitation? How can we empower these students? Then they do mock um, role plays in the school. So they're really well practiced and prepared for the day and they shone. That was a big thing for me to hand over this baton where I know so intimately what they're meant to do. And they've been busy doing exams. Students are very um, have a lot on their plate at the moment, um, especially in Year Twelve. And handing over that baton and just hoping that the day would unfold smoothly <laughs> was empowering as well for me to be like, actually, look how capable they are. Yeah, well, I don't need to I'm hold their hand. That. In fact, often they'd come to me with great suggestions. Hey, Anna, have you thought about this? Hey, Anna, can we do this instead? You haven't put this down. I'm like, good thinking. Yes, let's do that. Um, yeah. And then the other volunteer we had was a keynote speaker, which was Avine Crimmins. She was the ACT 2020 Young Environmentalist of the Year. She volunteered her time to do a fabulous keynote speech for five minutes to the students where she really leveled with them. She's young. She'd be really young, early 20s, if not still a teenager. And she's been heavily involved with the School Strike for Climate on a local and national level. She's done really great things at her. She was at Dixon College in her environment club there. So she's this really driven young lass who spoke really well to um, all the students there. So she she volunteered her time. And then we had five sustainability experts, all either students or in the field, who were in each committee that were just there as a bit of a fact check or if an info check or any kind of extra assistance that the committees needed. If there were students making claims about there's one greenhouse gas emission in the world, it's this, they could just pipe up and be like, you're right, CO2 is a greenhouse gas emission. There's also other ones like methane and nitrous oxide, whatever. So they were really helpful at supporting us. We had Rowan Humphrey, who's a renewable energy systems uh, engineer student at University of Newcastle. We had Jenna, who's a Fenner... um, 
at the Fenner School of Biology at ANU doing her PhD in threatened native species. We had Avian Crimmins, the keynote speaker I just mentioned. We had Vivian Pierce, who's the president of the Australian Association for Environmental Education, the ACT chapter. And we had Wendy Rainberg, who's this wonderful woman, former teacher. She helped create um, the Parliament of Youth on Sustainability. She was a co not a co-founder of Sea Change, but she co-founded this initiative. And she's a very active member of different initiatives in, in Canberra. So they all volunteered their time as sustainability experts. And finally, we had our wonderful community and government organisations, such as ACT for Bees, Canberra Environment Centre, Australian Youth for Climate Change, Australian Dance Parties, Dancing Rovers, Escape the Plastica, Canberra Innovation Network, Icon Water, Antar ACT, which fight for justice, rights and respect for Aboriginal, uh, sorry, Australian First, Na First Peoples, and Axmart Schools and um, ACT No Waste and Safe Waterways or from ACT Government, all there on the day holding a really fun stall for the students to participate in, in two of their breaks, totaling an hour of their time, which was just wonderful volunteer support from the community. And I'm, I'm, I'm truly on a personal level, really grateful and on a professional level, really stoked that everyone yesterday that came along or attended or supported in one way, shape or form were from the community um, volunteering their time or capacity in some way, shape or form. And on that note, not that they're necessarily volunteers, but I'd also really like to thank the, the very kind, generous um, organisations who supported us with prizes and donations, such as Ainsley IGA. They supported us with over 200 pieces of fruit, apples and mandarins, <laughs> tis the season for citrus. Throw it the didn't mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Scotty. <laughs> uh, we're not on the hill now. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. We have a nice little treat after pitching a uh, fresh piece of fruit. Jasper and Myrtle kindly donated six of their chocolate bars. They're beautiful handmade chocolate bars here in the ACT region, Aunt Fishwick. Um, and, and you can find them at the Epic Markets and on you can Saturday find them too. Yes. You've got to go and try some out. They're yes, amazing. They and their hot chocolate so is terrific. Oh, good note. Julie noted. I'll be there this Saturday. <laughs> um, also, Cook Shops kindly donated a, a further 11 of their chocolate bars. Um, uh, Maitland Street Roaster donated a beautiful, their homemade coffee beans uh, for the keynote speaker. Lark Hill Winery donated 12 of their Biodynamic Shiraz bottles of red, mm. which we donated to the sustainability experts and the ACT ministers. And um, the cafe at uh, the Botanic Gardens, Pop Poppy? Pollen? Pollen, Pollen, Pollen thank yes, you. Yeah. They've also donated a voucher, which unfortunately we're a bit late to pick up, so we couldn't use, but we're still very grateful for their generosity. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And I know that um, you said you are starting fundraising for next year, so if anyone's listening with deep pockets and they would like <laughs> to make a donation, who should they contact you? They should definitely contact either myself, yeah. Parliament of Youth at seachange.org.au, or Brooke Clinton, communications at seachange.org.au. Org.au, um, who's the executive officer, to talk about yeah potential funding opportunities. We're particularly interested in anyone affiliated with schools or environmental education. So thank you, potentially government organisations, individuals, or other organisations that. Um, have a little bit of funding. We don't need loads, but just enough to support mm -hmm. a worker such as myself um, to work part-time mm -hmm. over a nine-month period. 
Yeah, that's wonderful. And I know a lot of you at Sea Change, you do a lot of unpaid hours there. So, you know, well, we take our caps off to you for that. I think that's just about all the time we've got there, Scotty. I think we're just about yeah, to run out. Just yes. about Did to you run out. have an announcement? I do, but I just wanted to thank Anna for joining us today and for being part of the show. And uh, we look forward to hearing about next year's Parliament of Youth on Sustainability as we do the lead up in 12 months' time. Wonderful. Thank you yeah. so much. And thank you for letting me have a space to promote this great event that I really think is effective for young people in the community. You're welcome, Anna. You have been listening to an episode of A Line in the Sound, the podcast made by Co-ops, Commons and Communities Canberra, Co-Canberra for short, the New Economy Network of Australia, or NINA, and Radio Behind the Lines from Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM in Canberra, Australia. Co-Canberra is working towards a cooperative Commonwealth. Our work builds strong communities, extensive commons, and a network of climate cooperatives. The New Economy Network of Australia is a network of individuals and organisations working to transform Australia's economic system so that achieving ecological health and social justice are the foundational principles and the primary objectives of the economic system. Behind the Lines has been running for well over 30 years on Canberra's oldest community radio station, 2XX. We do extended interviews with anyone who's trying to make the world a better place. All three are volunteer-run, so if you like what you heard on this episode, join us and become the media. To join up with the New Economy Network of Australia, sign up at neweconomy.org.au. To help out with Behind the Lines, or to help our editing team finish off a mountain of good Australian New Economy info, which includes editing training, contact us at behindthelines98.3 at gmail.com and see 2XXFM.org.au where you can subscribe, donate and volunteer to Australia's only alternative voice, Community Radio. If you're not in Canberra, there's definitely one near you. To help out with CoCanberra, contact us at info at cocanberra.org.au that's C-O-C-A-N-B-E-R-R-A dot org dot A-U or come along to our monthly meetups, which we share with Nina Canberra Regional Hub, where we explore any and all aspects of the new economy. Find out what we're up to at cocanberra.org.au. And finally, if you want to help fund me, Scotty, to go full-time with this and lots of other related work, look up LiberaPay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y, and search for Community Supported Scotty. From there, you can find out about all my other projects and donate to help create a new appropriate economy. Thanks.